Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. My co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate, is on vacation, so I'm joined by two guests tonight. First up, you might remember him from our episode about In Excess's Kick, or our Eddie Rabbit Horizon episode, also known as Angry Wayne, Drunk Wayne episode. But he is also the host of his own long-running podcast called The Hustle, so please welcome back to the podcast, John Lamoureux. Hey, dudes. How we doing? We're doing okay. Good. Mm -hmm. All right. So for this episode, we have a special guest and first-time visitor to the program. He's an award-winning comedy writer and stand-up comedian, and he's also a music lover, which is a prerequisite of coming on this podcast. So please welcome to the podcast, Murray Valeriano. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks thanks for pronouncing my name right. (laughs) I was going to say, how did I do with the pronunciation of the last name? It was great. It was great. It was perfect. You I, nailed it. I have been practicing all day. So I listened to a couple of your your old podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to tell you, pronunciations lately have been giving me anxiety. <laughs> As they should. It's so much easier to say, like, welcome to the podcast, Matthew Sweet. Because I can't really right. slaughter that name, but I've had some tough ones lately to pronounce. And then I've even screwed up what should be easy. So I had David Goodstein, who is a drummer. He's a drum for a lot of different people. It's spelled with an S-T-E-I-N. So I pronounced it like one of my old clients who goes by Stein. Mm-hmm. So he's like, um, yeah, that's not my name, dude. The eternal yeah. quandary. Stein or Stein? Sure. What are you going to do? Stein versus Stein, man. I don't know. But you'd think you'd think that I would screw up Lamoro because, like, like how how often does that get screwed up when people are pronouncing Every your time. last name? Every okay. time. Really, Lamoro? That just seems so. I don't. I know. I don't think people make the connection that they've. There are so many words ending in the e i a u x that we use that. They don't make the connection that the same logic applies to the last name. I don't know why they don't. Huh. Whatever. That's interesting. It's okay. Well, I think, Ben, I think possibly you overthink it. <laughs> as, a guy, as, a, listen, as a guy who has a name that's been butchered by every MC in every comedy club across this country, <laughs> they, they just over them. Like, I always tell them, hey, man, however it comes out is fine. If they're here to see me, they know my name. And if they're not here to see it, they're going to know it when I'm done. So how, And then they're just like... Uh, I'm going to get it. 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 And then it's like Murray Valentine or whatever. So <laughs> just, just let it, let it roll off your tongue. That's my incur. That's so my have piece you, of advice. Have you listened to our podcast? I overthink everything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's, Murray, that's, are I'm you, not here to change you. I'm not here to okay, change you. Thank you. Are you Appreciate less active on the road stories podcast these days? Um, it has unofficially been retired. Oh, what, what informed that decision? Well, first of all, there's no 11 years, (laughs) 11 years of doing that show. Mm -hmm. And then again, there's no road. So I took a hiatus during pandemic just to kind of re, um, just kind of reexamine things, you know, rediscover the dream to quote Bono from 98 or seven or whatever that was. And, um, I'm like, I think it's done, man. It did. I, it's run its course. It's done 
wonders for me, like career wise and, and, you know, write ups in USA Today and, and, and all that stuff. And it just, I just think it's run its course. And I've talked to just about every freaking comedian that and I never want to talk to again. And, uh, but I'm excited. I finally got something new I'm working on now, which will be hob- probably up within the next month. Fingers crossed. So, Great. another podcast? Uh, it's a show. It's a show. Okay. With a podcast element to it. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm um I'm I'm going through some um some some quandaries of my own. So tonight we are recording for the very first time with a new audio service. So we've been using the same recording service cuz we like the audio quality, but mm-hmm. um we've been doing that for 2 years and so while Wayne is out he said, um, make sure that you do that Lauren Hill episode that um, those guests want to do because I don't want to do it. And so, <laughs> and so we, so we recorded this really great episode, two hours. Um, the, the guest co-host was awesome. The, 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 the band that, that uh, showed up for it, two hours worth of materials and, um, the old recording service lost every single minute of it. Oof. So, um, luckily they had a good time. So, um, we're, we're going to re-record it. And the stipulation was that Wayne has to join on the re-record, which, Mm. um, that kind of worked out in our favor because, um, it's going to be fun having, Four women um, tell Wayne that he's completely wrong on how much he hates Lauren Hill. But uh, you can add a you can add a a, 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 a one guy on that also. <laughs> I will I will back those four women up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's the hate about Lauren Hill? Right. Come on. I, Sounds you know, like he's got a little miseducation. Am I right, John yeah, Lamoureux? That, that might be it. That might be it. I I'm really not sure what what the deal is because I bet. I bet what it is is it's just pure ignorance. I think that That's he is. Be it. I think that he has not listened to that record because um, I real I don't know if I had listened to it all the way through until prepping for the episode, mm-hmm. and it, I think that it's still way over um, rated on the Rolling Stone top 500 albums i mean it's number 10 now is it I Every, go everything rolling stone is overrated well, i know i know <laughs> I, I i just like throwing rolling stone out there because it's it's a lightning right. rod you know yeah we totally jumped ahead because i i haven't even asked the t-shirt question yet mm. so um so so john what t-shirt are you wearing I am wearing an Adamant t-shirt that oh. I got for Christmas. Oh, I love it. Yeah, me too. And it's uh, from the Prince Charming era. He's got the white, you know, Indian stripe over his, his nose. I was really happy with this one, so I uh, made sure to pull it out for this occasion. Very good. How about you, Murray? What t-shirt are you wearing? Uh, I don't. I'm wearing an independent trucks. Uh, they're a skateboard truck company. Okay. Um, I don't have many concert t-shirts. I grew up in a uh, very born-again Christian household. So, speaking of Mormons earlier, um, so I, I had to sneak out to go to concerts. So, there, I could never, until they lightened up, I could never have any traces of evidence that I went. So, I never bought t-shirts. I never kept my ticket stubs and all that stuff, which I'm bummed right. now because I would love to have all that stuff. But 
it was for my own safety to ditch that stuff. <laughs> Murray, what's the bet? What's your favorite concert you snuck out to see? And when was it? Uh, well, my favorite concert I snuck out to see was U2 and it was my first concert. Mm. And, yeah. uh, that was the unforgettable fire 85, 86. I want to say long justice opened, um, Brendan Byrne Arena, New Jersey. They couldn't even, they didn't even sell it. $20 in the parking lot, a scalp ticket for fifth row. Nice. It was great. And then now all concerts are judged by that first concert. <laughs> oh, sure. A lot of things you just mentioned play into our conversation we're going to have. 100%. Absolutely. That's right. That's okay. right. All right. Perfect. Yeah. And I'm wearing um, my new Foo Fighters t-shirt. So, mm-hmm. um the, the local record store, Park Avenue CDs. Um, I was on the fence whether or not I was going to buy the record because I had heard the first couple singles, wasn't totally impressed. Right. Um, and then they said, if you buy the record, we're, we're going to throw in a T-shirt. Mm. So, oh. Oh. so I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And actually got the record home and actually like it. It's actually really oh, cool. I haven't I haven't heard much of it. I haven't heard much of the new Foo Fighters new album. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with the first couple singles that they put out, and um, but overall, I think it's it's pretty solid. The Foo Fighters are, are an odd band for me because I never voluntarily listen to them. Okay. I never throw them on. I've seen them four times, and they're fantastic. They're like, as a matter of fact, outside Paul McCartney front row. Dave Grohl's birthday party concert is my second favorite concert. And so, but it's so weird, but I never actively listen to them, but they're so great in concert. It's, it's a weird conundrum quandary, maybe. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, I've never hopped on the Foo Fighter train and I don't know why I don't actively dislike them, but they don't excite me or provoke me to listen to them actively either. I've only seen them in concert once they headlined, one of those all day radio station festivals where it's like 10 different acts. And, um, it was around the time of the second album. And I remember Dave, uh, was like, you know, tonight's the last night of the tour. I'm just going to sit. And so he just sat on the drum riser. And at the time, now I get that that's part of his kind of fun Mm -hmm. mystique. But at the time I was sort of pissed off. Like, man, I barely like you anyway. Right. You're you're not even going to like fully give this show your all. Come on. You know, I, I could see that. Yeah, I, I've never come around. That's surprising to me because every time I've seen them, they've they've played to the back wall. They they had some. They exactly. opened for the police. I saw them open for the police, oh, and okay. there's there's only there's there's a reason why they only open for the police once. I mean, they this is Dodger Stadium, and they blew the yeah. roof off the joint, and then the police came it. out and were like, "We're making money," you know, and these, <laughs> and Grohl was out in the field up in the rafters playing his guitar and, and yeah, they're again, I'm like you, they don't excite me, but I will, I will drop everything and go see them. It's, yeah. it's a party. Yeah. They're, they're one of my favorite bands to see live. Mm-hmm. So love them. Yeah. I'm, but I'm with you guys. The albums don't always excite me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I do actively seek them out. So there we go. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see where where are we going with this? I was going to ask you about your road stories oh. podcast, but John kind of beat me to that. So retiring that. Listen, if you like stand up and it's still up there, there's well over. I don't even know if I could do the math. Three hundred episodes up there. Yeah. Anywhere from 
you know, classic uh, Brian Regan, Bill Ingvall to, you know, Doug Benson, Chris Hardwick, Kyle Kinane to the modern guard, like whatever you're into, there's a comic on there for you. So, yeah, I saw I saw a recent picture that you posted of you and Brody. Oh, yeah. Were you doing the podcast before he passed? Did 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 he come on? Uh, he was on the second episode. Okay, so I didn't go back that far. Yeah. yeah, I go back really far with Brody. He was it actually I posted it last year on the anniversary of his. He's been gone two years now. Last year I posted a story about him and the podcast, um, which was kind of it was a rough story because it it was during his mental breakdown before he was diagnosed. And it was a rough story to post, and but we eventually made up and found out later that he was undiagnosed bipolar and depressive and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, Brody and I were—he was a good guy, and he's sorely missed. Yeah. What are What are you doing during this pandemic to kind of keep the the comedy chops going? Because, like, well, I'm talking about my dead comedian friends. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, you gotta okay. work that muscle whatever yeah. you can do no, I, so I mean you know part of it is is delivery that was that was great delivery right there um totally set you up for that but but like since there are no stages to like work on your timing and the delivery yeah. and new materials I mean like how how are you doing this uh but I'm not really doing it. I haven't I think it's this week has been a year since I've been on stage um and so I just, I, you know, you can't really keep those chops up unless you do them. So I just been writing a lot of jokes. I'm, I was doing COVID diaries for a while, which got published in a couple of magazines. And I picked up a few article, uh, writing articles and stuff like that. But that's really it, man. Just kind of then found this new project I'm, I'm going to be working on soon that I'm excited about. So that'll, that'll help also. But I'm definitely, I got a call from a buddy at the Looney Bin in Wichita <laughs> this week and never has the loony bin in Wichita sounded more appealing <laughs> to me than right today? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Midwest, like, like I, I, I saw a number of posts from some of our recent guests who were in Texas, Arkansas, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like, they're starting to post that, hey, we're going to do some, you know, safe, safely, socially distant um, shows coming up. Uh, are any of the comedy places doing that? Are they are they kind of gearing up that they're trying to fill up their calendars? Or yeah, they, I mean they're trying. Being... The, they're they're trying. The problem, is, you know, it's just I don't you know without breaking down the comedy business too much and boring your audience. It's just it's it's. <laughs> It's a rough go. I mean, if you're the comedy business is much like I'm sure much like the music business, which I've not really ever dealt with is, you know, if you're going to if from what I know, these comedy clubs and we'll use and not to diss on Wichita Funny Bone, <laughs> or, but I'm sure they're cutting that comics price. They're they're half capacity. And I know the comedy world is as soon as we're back to normal, that price isn't going to go back up. You're not going to you're taking that pay cut. You're, you're okay in it forever. And I, I just feel like people are trying to force stand up into this pandemic when maybe we should all just sit back, let the pandemic figure itself out, then get back to it the way it's supposed to be. That's kind of my theory. Other comics have different theories. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I'm assuming that all the comedy places in California are still closed. Yeah, they're all closed. Uh, Irvine Improv's doing a a parking lot show and it's, you're making jokes for honks out of a car. It's, 
Needless to say, it's not the same. <laughs> no, no. So, no. but somebody like Burt Kreischer did it really, really well. He did like drive-in movie theaters mm-hmm. or drive-in movies. Yeah, drive-in, whatever you call those. But he's a party, like his shtick is party. So he drives around in a golf cart th- giving beers to everyone. He makes it a party and then does a show. And that kind of works. It, it doesn't, you know, if you've got that kind of... Brian Regan is out on the road also. He It doesn't work his style, and we all love Brian, who doesn't, but uh, it's just like his style doesn't really... There's not a party atmosphere. So if you can make up with that party atmosphere, it kind of gets, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm just waiting for... This, I'm just waiting for this hoax to go away so I can get back to normal. Yeah. How about you, John? So what's uh, what's new? What's new with you? I, I going back to what I did in the intro about um, the Eddie Rabbit episode. You realize that's been over a year since we did that episode. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was the last time I, I had you on. Yeah, I know. What's the deal? I thought we were friends. <laughs> the schedule to- has been crazy. Yeah, you, you're having a good uptick in in guests. That's great. Um, I don't. I mean, life is kind of carrying on normally for us. We uh, it's just work and driving kids around to approved soccer games or you mm-hmm. know swimming lessons or whatever. I mean, I miss concerts. Not I'm okay without them though. I mean, it's there's so ha- there's such a hassle to get to sometimes. I miss um, just having things to do. I miss having like places to go, you know, I haven't worn, I've worn a collared shirt maybe like half a dozen times in the last year. And, uh, I love eating out and we do that Mm. sometimes, but not as much. So I, I love the experience of just the communal going out, being waited on, getting some food, making a night out of it, you know? Yeah. But, um, we do. Okay. Colorado is very, very careful. We wear masks everywhere. And, um, so yeah, it's all right. Yeah, my my last my last um link to any live music. So I was I was supposed to see Brian Fallon like a year ago. Um and then it got moved and then it got moved again. It was going to it was supposed to happen in September of this year and he just canceled it a couple days ago. Mm. Like he's mm. just like I don't know how I'm going to do this mm. and so that was that was my my one last thing that I had still in my Ticketmaster app where I'm like I still have Brian Fallon coming up and now I don't have that. So I don't know, it was it was a little bit of a letdown when I saw the email from Ticketmaster where it's like your show has been canceled and we're going to yeah. refund your money and I'm like damn it, that was the only thing I had to look forward to. Like I don't have any trips coming up um right now. I should be planning on going to a spring training facility since I live here in Florida. You know, I, I would have probably, I probably would have been at the Mets facility on Saturday or the Rays or the Tigers. Um, instead I'm, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing on Saturday to be honest. You're lucky that show got canceled. You got your money back because about a year and a half ago, I bought a ticket to the who on, uh, StubHub, and I'd never used okay. them before. Yeah, and um, that show got rescheduled, and then it got rescheduled again, and then the pandemic hit, and so StubHub still has my money and won't give it back to me until the show is officially canceled. 
as oh, long as it yeah. keeps getting rescheduled, they keep your money. They did that with Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yes. Drives me crazy. Like it's obviously just give me back my money. I'll buy the ticket again when it comes back around, you know, right. drives me crazy. And, anyway. and how many people in your family were going to go to that show with you? Uh, just me. I go to most oh, okay. shows by myself. Do you? My wife doesn't care. My kids don't care that much. So it's okay. just me. Was All that right. the who with the orchestra? No, it was, um, well, it might, I don't think so. Cause this I saw was, that, uh, I saw that show just before the pandemic. Really? Yeah. It was supposed to be like last October or September of 2019 and Roger had a throat issue. Mm. And mm. so they moved, they bumped it to like the following March, I think. And then that of course was COVID and then it was. Right. Uh, so we caught the, they hit us first and then they were probably going out to you to Denver. Probably. And yeah. yeah. And so we caught, cause I remember it was so funny. Like it was like the fourth song. Roger's voice was good. Really? Yeah, it we took him four songs. And I went with my friend Pat Francis, and we both looked at each other, and we both just said, he's on now. No he's got way. It. Yeah. And was that with an orchestra? That's yeah, it was with a... Yeah, and I'm not a... I've decided I'm not a fan of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it... <laughs> it I've, look, I've seen Willie Nelson do it. I've seen uh, other people do it, but... And, yeah, I, it, it was a good show, but, like, they opened with, like, five tracks from Quadrophenia. Mm. And, like, at that point, just play Quadrophenia. You know, tell me what I'm getting because I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Quadrophenia. So the first like five or six tracks, I'm like, I didn't get it. You know, <laughs> but at that point, just play the album. But then, yeah. but then again, it, later on, it kicked in and it was great. And then they, you know, they always try to orchestrate some. Like I love that guitar part in Pinball Wizard where you just, mm-hmm. I'm doing it on like a fucking sousaphone or something. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> There's gonna be a distorted guitar in there where it's supposed yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear it for real. Yeah, yeah. The symphonic stuff. Agreed. I have still not seen The Who live. I hadn't either. This was my first, going to be my first time. Yeah. And so that's why I'm especially frustrated. His, the Townsend's brother on guitar is fantastic. Simon, yeah. I've yeah, heard. he is. He's amazing. I've heard. Okay. What What's the one concert that when it did get canceled, you were most disappointed about? The Doobie Brothers, 50th yeah. anniversary with Michael McDonald. Me that too. was the one that I was going to give all my money to because <laughs> I love them and I've never seen them. And the m- main reason why is because I've just always held out hope that they would all come together and it would be the full thing. And uh, here it was, and it was just going to be a few months away and it canceled that and Craftwork. Mm. I've never Craftwork was coming to Red Rocks. Both these shows are at Red Rocks and if you've never been to Red Rocks, it's the best venue in the world. It's on my and, bucket uh, list to see a concert there. Oh, Me please too. come, Murray. We'll go together. It's got to be the uh, right band, though, John, right? You it know, does. it's got to be the right it band. Does. It can't it be does. Wilco yes, at Red sure. Rocks. John has already told me that. That would just put me to sleep. The best <laughs> yeah, show well, I, I ever I guess I'll just have to go with your brother then because I would see that. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably go, to be honest. I saw them back when I did like them and they were great. I just, yeah. uh, but the best concert I've ever seen was uh, David Burns American Utopia, and that was at Red Rocks a couple years ago. The best thing I've ever seen. I kick myself for not going to see that, man. Oh. I kick myself for not going to see that at the Hollywood Bowl. Ugh. It was amazing. I mean, it's performance art, and you forget. Like, I don't care that much about David Burns solo stuff mm-hmm. as much. But, but I looked at the set list ahead of time, and there were plenty of Talking Head songs. A lot of my favorite deep tracks, too you forget that it's the same guy that did stop making sense. And that's one of the mm-hmm. greatest concert things ever. The performance yeah. art of it all. It was amazing. It was a really like artistic 
night, not just great music, but great everything, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I, love I saw him uh, years ago, uh, and um, Arcade Fire opened. Ooh. And Arcade Fire, in David Burns' defense, six months later, Arcade Fire was headlining the bowl. Mm-hmm. So, but they came out and just had every ass out of the seat. And then he yes. comes out and starts with some of his like little flamenco, <laughs> like the little artsy Brian Eno stuff. And we're like, Ooh, I'm a fan, but buddy, you got to pick it up. <laughs> you got, you might want to reevaluate that set list. Yes, maybe, maybe great. duck that Brian Eno stuff in the middle. <laughs> yes. Yes. I saw arcade fire at Red Rocks with LCD sound system. And they oh were, dude, that's a was, great show. It was a great show. And it was at, it was before the suburbs though. I think it was on the neon Bible. Okay. And, um, still a fantastic show, but both those bands now I love way more than I even did then. It, I yeah. I Cause when he, they opened for burn, that was still on funeral. had just come out. Oh really? So okay. it was, yeah. Great. I still, and if you're okay, up. Murray and I might just keep talking. No, I, I, <laughs> I was just going to throw, you know, you, you always throw shade at, um, at Wilco. I'm going to throw shade at Arcade Fire. I don't get them. Really? No, I just, you're not the, I've heard that before, Ben. I'm not gonna, I've heard that before. Yeah. It's just so, it's so good. Wake up. It's one of my favorite songs ever. You too is opening, using that song to turn down the house lights on the Vertigo tour. I think it was when they start playing wake up, the lights would go down and. So good. That's how you okay. know. So right. yeah, I love Arcade Fire. It sounds like I need to see Arcade Fire at Red Rocks to yeah. like maybe um anything. I, that might have been a show I would have gone to, John. LCD Sound yeah. System and uh, at at Red Rocks. That might that might I might have seen that one there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, when this all this muck is over, let's find one and do it. That'd Go be ahead. great, man. I'd love it. Absolutely. So follow up question to all the live stuff. So. Do you guys, since we don't have concerts, do you feel like you're consuming more new music or do you feel like it's just, it's just not there? I can answer that. I'll, I, 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 I've tried for you. I, I was, it was getting harder and harder to keep up on new music. And when I started the podcast, it just, any free time I have is spent researching somebody That, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm interviewing, um, uh, the lead singer of enough is enough. Oh, and I know a couple of enough is enough albums, but I should, I feel like I should know all of them. Right. So I have to go listen to every enough is enough album, you know? And, uh, that, that is the part that it doesn't sound like work because obviously it's not just to listen to music, but, um, that's the time consuming part to me is. I feel like I owe it to them to know every shred of what they've done. And, uh, and, and, uh, it just takes a long time. So no, I, I never listen to new music anymore. I wish I could, okay. but I don't. Okay. Okay. So tell me what I should be listening to. Cause Donnie's coming on my podcast as well. Donnie V. Oh, you got yeah. pitched by the same guy I did. I, I guess, did. Probably. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure it was. Well, first of all, they're fantastic. I mean, they're yeah. You wouldn't think because they get lumped in with like '80s hair metal or whatever, but they're right. They're more cheap trick than anything else. They're fantastic. Yeah, I was, I was, I was on the fence when he pitched us. I was like, yeah, I don't want this guy. My, yeah. And then I, I, and then I sent it over to Wayne. I'm like, hey, this, you know, 
Donnie wants to come on our podcast. He was like, yes. <laughs> like Wayne, Wayne's totally excited. Have for you him. heard He's them like, before first... Murray? Yeah, I know of, I know of them, but my friend Courtney Cronin yeah. is a huge fan. And yes. it's, she's like, she made us up. She opened for me before and she like made a enough, enough playlist to listen to on our mm. way down to San Diego. And I, again, nice. I was like you, I lumped them in yeah. with the hair metal. I didn't, and hair metal's not my favorite genre. So I don't give it a lot right. of listen to. And I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. By the way, as somebody, and I'm not comparing myself to Enough Z Enough or anything, but as somebody who's been interviewed by <laughs> podcast hosts and radio DJs who don't know your work, good on you. <laughs> like, yeah. way to go to make sure you know every corner of the person you're interviewing. That's it. Well, I feel like I owe it to them. And and I've been lucky so far. Pretty much everybody who's been on my show is someone I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I feel like I need to know all of it, you know? Yeah. I don't want Donnie to come on and talk about the same hits that he's talked about a million times. Right, right. I want him to know that I care. So, yeah, it just takes time. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, I, I spend way too much time on research, and I'm kind of like you. Maybe I don't listen to every single album that they put out, but, you know, if a guest is coming on, I totally agree, Murray. I, I don't want to just talk about the hits. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's 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 chat. Absolutely. Um, what do you what do you think Donnie picked? Ooh, that's a good question. Was it cheap trick? No. Maybe that's too obvious. I don't know. He's a, he's got a great soulful voice. Was it it could have been a soul singer of some kind. The temptations? No, let's listen again to second album and t- okay. and tell me and tell me Text me later and t- and tell okay. me what you okay. what you think that he he picked because it's okay. um it's pretty obvious when you listen to that second record. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're yeah. A Chicago band, right? Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, John, just just you, you've had a murderer's row of guests lately. Mm. Like, Thanks. um, good good on you. Um, also, I want to say thank you. Because you vetted out some of the people that I've wanted to have on my podcast, like um, after listening to your Alda Nova episode, um, there's no way I would ever want him on my podcast. No, <laughs> he uh, he was a good dude, and uh, we had a good rapport. I do worry that he might be a little fried or mm. something. You know, some of these guys some residual effects from the eighties and he might've been one of them and he was great with me, but I don't think he would be very good in the structure of your show. No, 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 no. There's a, there's a number of people that we've reached out to that, um, you know, they've told us, yeah, I don't really like your structure and that's cool. Mm, We're okay. We're fine with it. And in fact, that kind of leads us to, um, talking about the record. Cause, um, Murray's Murray's got some some explaining to do on his scores here. We'll we'll get to that here in a second. Okay, okay. I don't know. I'm getting thrown under the bus after I just praised both of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see how that's going. I see our turns here, Ben. I see where we're going. So so we're going to talk about Robbie Robertson's first solo record outside of the band. Um, I I brought up. I brought up a couple months ago uh, to, to, to you, John, that I was having Josh Kelly on, on for an episode and you were like, what record did he choose? And I said, uh, the Brown album from, from the band. And you're like, 
gross or something like that. I don't remember what. <laughs> that sounds like a job. That sounds like a Lamoureux response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's why I said gross because uh, that that feels like that would would have been a Lamoureux response. Yeah, but so, I guess my question is, you, you were the one lobbying me to do this episode mm-hmm. um, because you love this record. Can you love Robbie Robertson solo and not love the band? I've lived my life with that. So yes, I can tell you that you can. <laughs> In fact, it's uh, it's interesting. When I I had I had no idea who the band are when I okay. got into Robbie Robertson. I remember yeah. very specifically, I, I assume we'll all kind of tell our origin stories. I was we talked about Rolling Stone magazine mm-hmm. a minute ago. I as a young teenager, try, Mormon teenager trying to find his own identity, my tastes and interests veered toward Rolling Stone magazine, which was made me sort of different in Salt Lake Mormonville, you know? And I remember so well when the 1987 20th anniversary of Rolling Stone album came out. Well, that whole year had a bunch of these 20th anniversary things. And there was one that interviewed <clears throat> all these people you know, Pete Townsend, David Crosby, Brian Wilson, all these hallmark artists of their, of the previous 20 years. And I remember Robbie being in this, in this issue and I had no idea who he was and the 20th anniversary, the top 100 albums of all time that they published in 87 had the Brown album on it. And I remember reading that and thinking, I don't even know who the band is. I've never heard of these people. And I'm pretty savvy, even at 14 years old. And so when it was all the stuff that M- that Rolling Stone was doing to promote their 20th anniversary at that time that turned me onto this. And I still don't really care for the band. They kind of bore me. Mm-hmm. I don't. Fi- I still. I don't understand why people love them so much. They're fine, but they don't do anything interesting to me at all. But th- and this is sacrilege. But even most of Robbie's solo stuff doesn't do much for me. But okay. this album is a masterpiece, and it's in my top 20 probably of all time. So, and when I knew you liked it and I know more Murray likes it, I thought, well, let's, let's see if the three of us want to talk about this thing. Cause we love it. You know, yeah. well, let me take this opportunity to tell you why you're wrong, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of stumbled onto the, I'm a huge fan of the band, but I like that Americana style. Uh, I even like country. Yeah. I've grown to really love country and that kind of, uh, songs from the big pink era and, and all that. But it's funny. I, 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 I didn't realize how Mormon you were growing up, and I because I've grown up, I grew up born again Christian, so we probably relate a lot on that stuff. I wasn't even at that point during their uh, big issue. I was still is Rolling Stone about the band Rolling Stones? Like I didn't know that nothing was in my house, nothing was allowed in my house. So I found Rob, I found Robbie Robertson through this album. And then, like I did with most bands who had a, or artists who had a resurgence in the '80s, and then worked my way back. And so, this was my introduction to Robbie Robertson, which was my introduction to the band. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. The after Storyville, I kind of, kind of yeah, get a little yeah. iffy on that. And you know what else is weird? I love the Last Waltz, and yet I still don't care. I don't need any band albums, and I don't hmm. put them on for fun ever. But that's not totally the band. That's like a a tribute concert. Like everybody that was anybody during that time period was on there. Mm -hmm. Except Neil Diamond. (laughs) 
No, nobody wanted him on there except Robbie Robertson. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. and guess sorry, Neil. Play a part in this album too. I, I'm going to ask Huge. you about that when we. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, guess from the Walt Les Waltz. Well, just guests in general. This oh, album. Guess, oh, guests. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like guests. Oh, absolutely. You could almost argue, I was going to say this for later, but you could almost argue that in some ways the guests overshadow or take prominence in this album. There's U2, there's Peter Gabriel. These are two of the biggest names there were in 1988, you know? Recording two of the biggest albums ever yes. while recording this album. It, it, exactly. this, is a, this is a mishkabosh of trifecta of amazingness. Exactly, yeah. exactly. All these key people at their peak came together on this album, which is weird. People, And I don't know if enough people realize that. Right. No, definitely. I agree. Maybe we should... Let's talk about the personnel. I'm, I'm, I've made a lot of notes about the personnel on each of the songs, so we'll talk about that. You've already mentioned all of those names. Um, Peter Gabriel, U2, um, the Bodines, Maria McKee. Uh, you got a couple of the, the, the bandmates from the band, mm-hmm. Garth and, and Rick are, are both on this as well. Um, and then some of the other names that we'll we'll talk about as we go through that. But they may not be quote-unquote names, but their resumes are just oh. bonkers. The rhythm section alone. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. my gosh. <laughs> yes. Bonkers. All right, so um, bio info on this. They started working on, on this album in 86. It re- was released in October of 1987. Uh, peaked at number 35 on the Billboard 200. In the UK, did much better than in the US. Peaked at number 23, but it stayed on the charts for longer in the UK. Um, 14 weeks in the UK, whereas in the top 40 Billboard Hot 200 albums only stayed in the charts for three weeks here in the States. But he won some awards off of this. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that as we, as, we, as we go on. How did you guys get introduced to this album? Was it, was it through Rolling Stone? Well, I read those articles, didn't know who Robbie Robertson was. The name stuck out because it's a odd name. And uh, I thought, and then shortly after that, I believe I saw the video for Showdown at Big Sky, and it was uh, one of those that was getting. They would get played late at night, like around midnight, not in the usual, you know, prime time rotation. Sure. And I remember making the connection. Oh, here's that guy that I've been reading about hmm. a lot lately that I don't know who he is. And um, but Rolling Stone, that I consider the Bible right now really loves this guy. Let's see what it's all about. And I love that song. And then um, I think Somewhere Down the Crazy River was probably the next single. After that, I went to the local Raspberry Records and bought the cassette. Hmm. Yeah. So here, here's mine. Any of my friends that, that remember me from 85 to 89 know that I was a huge YouTube nerd. So as soon as I found out that A... Daniel Lanois was the producer mm-hmm. on this. And then B, U2's on two songs. That I mean that was all I needed. Like that that that's enough to um to to make me want to buy the, the the album. So I bought the cassette. This was one of three cassettes that that were in heavy rotation in the Wonder painting truck in 1988. Shout out to my boys at Wonder Painting, which is 
actually still around. Mm. Um, so it was it was uh, this album, which was mine, and then there was uh, Keith Richards' album, his solo Talk album during that time. Talk oh, is man. cheap. Is that with the and, alcohol? Oh, the winos? Mm-hmm. Is that that album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it yeah. so hard. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. the best Stones album they never made. And then there was another Canadian guitarist, and I'm and I, sh- Colin James. Yes, just came Colin back to James? say goodbye. I think that, that was. I think that, that was on so that good. album. I had. I stole the single of that song from my local <laughs> music land. Of course you did. I yeah. used to do that did. a lot. I, I know you're on record of stealing aha records from yep. um from from mormon parties I know. Um, <laughs> sometimes when i think back on the good old days i get reminiscent and nostalgic and then somebody says something like a single <laughs> and i'm glad we've moved on <laughs> it's true yeah it's true. all right so so murray you brought up the uh the the religious mm-hmm. background so how did you get hooked up with I, I i honestly i never thought i didn't think about it till just now but i must have seen um showdown a big sky music video when i snuck down to watch mtv or most likely on night flight which was a late night TV program in the 80s that showed videos and various short films. And I could get away with watching that because my parents were in bed by the time it came on. So I could, that's where I got a lot of my introduction to this stuff. Gotcha. All right. So this album won a Juno award since Robbie is Canadian, won the Juno award for album of the year. And since, uh, Daniel and Robbie, share producing credits they were producer of the year Mm -hmm. so they won a couple juno awards um the only nomination that i saw that they got for a grammy award was for best rock vocal album Mm -hmm. and he didn't win guys guys want to hear the nominees and you tell me who you think won Mm -hmm. for best rock vocal best rock vocal album in the juno awards no, this no, is this for the, the Grammys. Grammys. Oh, Grammys. Okay. This is for the Grammys. Um, the ones that actually matter. Um, right. Sorry sorry to my Canadian listeners. Or used to. <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry Not about Grammys anymore. Sorry my, sorry, my buddy David Wilde. I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sorry, Wilde. Yeah. All right. Eric Clapton, After Midnight. Mm-hmm. Joe Cocker, Unchain My Heart. Robert Palmer, Simply Irresistible, Rod Stewart's Forever Young, and then this album. Hmm. Um, Who do you think won? Forever Young is my favorite song out of the out of that list, probably. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go Eric Clapton. Okay, Murray. That's a great. It's a great list to be involved in if you're involved in it. Um, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer. He won. Yeah, yeah. He was <sighs> I'm, I'm that good, Lamoro. I'm that good, buddy. You are. You are. <laughs> I'll just um, be quiet. <laughs> unfortunately, you don't win any prizes on this Aww. podcast. I just won <laughs> a new friendship with Ben. That's all that. <laughs> there we go. That's all that I'm playing for today. I don't. I don't have a Patreon account like the Hustle. Mm. Um, so I don't have any um, extra money to give away prizes. So, 
Well, there's a donation button on murrayvaleriano.com if anybody wants to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, should we should we jump in the track by track yeah. analysis? Yes. You guys ready for this? I also Ben. I also all took right. notes on the uh, line and the people who play it because it gets really confusing over who played yes. on it and who backup singing and all that stuff. So I took notes on that. Also. I did too. All right. Yep. All right. All three of us are going to be over nerding on, on the personnel. I think, by the way, got excited about doing it. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, I should really, this yes. is, <laughs> I love, I haven't done this in so long. This is fantastic. Me too. I've got my CD insert right here. Oh, Luckily, it goes track by track, tells you <laughs> who's on what makes it easy. That's good. That's good. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. This is where I usually throw it to Wayne to tell me how many songs on this record. So, um, John, how many songs on this record? Nine. Which means our top song is going to get nine points. Next favorite, eight points on down to the lowest score of one. And let's kick this off. So here is lead, uh, lead track, Fallen Angel. And this was written in memory of Richard Manuel, who took his own life in, what, I guess, March of 86. Mm-hmm. So right before they started production of this. Down in your neck um, of the woods, too, right? Wasn't it in Florida? He, it was in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Peter Gabriel provides some vocals on this and, and keyboards. It says keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then band bandmate Garth Hudson is also on this. Um this was co-written by Martin Page. John, you ever tried to get Martin on on your podcast? He's been on twice. Where have He's you been? He's been on ben? twice. Yes. Uh, how f- how far back? He was one of our first. He was like That's number why. twenty or twenty-one, and then he was just on a couple of months ago. He did a deep dive because he. Thank you, Ben, for paying <laughs> such close attention. But anyway, uh, yeah, Martin is a is a very accomplished songwriter, and he. Very much so. um, Wrote a lot of songs for Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire's solo album. And I'm a big Earth, Wind & Fire fan. And I like Martin a lot. So I thought, well, let's do a deep dive of that album. So we did. Just back in November, probably. I'm, something like that. I'm sorry, John. I'm so okay. far behind in my <laughs> podcast listening. It's fine. Whatever. Let, well, let me ask you this. From 160 episodes that I've done, how many have you listened to? I always tell you, Ben, if I know who the guest is, I listen. And if I know who the album which you means talk you've, about. Which means you've listened to like 10, 10 episodes? No, I'm kidding. Well, I don't know a lot of your guests. But if you're discussing an album that I know, I listen. If I don't know either of them, I don't listen. Yeah. That's right. the reason. Uh, so I probably- signed up for a podcast pissing contest here. Um, <laughs> I thought we were going to discuss music. I didn't realize we were going to. All right. All right, Murray. So, right, so, 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 so tell me, tell me, Murray, why, um, why this is a good song? Why this is a good song? Um, yeah. Well, you look at the personnel on it. Look at the writers on it. Look at it who's dedicated to. It's a great opening track. 
very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the drums on this are, and I'm probably going to slaughter his last name because I slaughter last names. Um, Manu Kachi. I've always said Manu Kachi, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His resume is just bonkers. Like, besides being Peter Gabriel's longtime drummer, he's like played with Herbie Hancock. He's played with mm-hmm. Lorraine and McKennett. He's played with. Joe Satriani, Sting, Joni Mitchell. I love him. I've tried to get him on and didn't hear back. One thing, I'm, I'm not the best at being able to pinpoint, oh, that's so-and-so on guitar, or that's clearly so-and-so on drums. But I know Manu Cache the second I hear him. And I don't even know what they're called, but he's, on a lot of these songs, he plays cymbals, but they're not cymbals that you hit with his, you, you hit them with your hand. Mm. And all of the songs have these little symbols on him and this one being one of them. I just, I love what he, what he was doing at this time with these bands, like Peter Gabriel. So, and everything was so amazing and stings work and everything. Mm. I love him. He's a monster, man. I was just, I was just yes. looking at the uh, secret world live concert Ooh, yeah. and even that opening track on come talk to me. And that drum is just, it's mind blowing. Right. Yes. Yeah. You can, you can totally tell, which songs Manuel is on and which songs Basio is on, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can totally tell. Mm-hmm. Um, anything lyrically on here that um, stands out? I was going to mention one thing. There's a line in here near the beginning where he says, uh, uh, "Sometimes I thought you felt too much," and knowing that this is a song dedicated to um, Rick, Richard Manuel, mm-hmm. yeah, that to me just sounds like so personal like that was that may have been either something they've talked about in private like buddy it's gonna be okay sometimes i think you just feel too much or it's something that robbie always wanted to say and never did but everyone know you know what it just feels like so insightful so personal and sensitive about who richard probably was as a guy yeah that's yeah that's a i like that's a good insight i'm glad i like again Coming from a very, at the time, very naive of music and performance and stuff, when I heard Fallen Angel, I always kind of compared it to this B movie called Fallen Angel about a girl who goes and gets into a prostitution ring in Hollywood. And uh, you see it late night on Cinemax <laughs> when I would sneak down in between night flight episodes. So now that I know yeah. it's more personal about Mano Kache and not this weird beef like <laughs> I stumbled across, I enjoyed it a lot more. Oh, yeah. Did we want to? Did we want to go down the uh, cast on uh, Fallen Angel and get break it down and give it a score? <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep no. talking about nudie movies. Actually, if that's okay, <laughs> uh, that's that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, um, it is. We'll, do, we'll yeah. do that one separately. Sure. Do, do you guys? Do you guys think that uh, he's he was being kind of? Tongue in cheek when with the lyric of "Come down, Gabriel, and blow your horn," considering that Peter Gabriel is on this. Hmm, that's oh, a I didn't even make song. that connection. There's so much religious imagery in yeah. every just about every song on this album that I didn't even make that a lot. connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He really did get back to his Native American uh, spirituality, for lack of better words. I, I guess agree. I hope I'm not bastardizing that for anybody, but um, on this album for no. sure. I agree. All right, let's get scores. John? Uh, I have a five for this one. Okay. All right. This is my six. And then, Murray, what's your score? Nine. 
Is this your favorite song on the album? Blaine, you're scoring, Murray. Because um, you you and I had had some conversations about the scoring. All right. Well, this kind of leads back to a question you asked earlier to John, which I didn't get to answer, which is during this <laughs> pandemic, that was... <laughs> That was an unintentional slam on John. <laughs> Sorry, that came out wrong. <laughs> now who's doing the podcast pissing match? <laughs> um, in a pandemic, like I've gotten into albums. I used to be a shuffle guy. I used to, I, my short attention span, put whatever I got on, shuffle it, shuffle the whole thing. And the, I would say within the last year, I've really been listening to albums. And my whole life, I've had a handful of albums that I have to listen to completely. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I can't, even if it comes up on shuffle when I'm on the treadmill, I just told somebody about this today. Uh, I stop it and I put on, oh, I'm going to listen to that album. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I listen to it top to bottom and I can't not give this every track on here a solid nine. I agree. And I, I was thinking that too. It's one of those when it's over, I'm ready for it to just start right back over again. Yeah. I never get tired of it. There's no, I don't want to turn it off or put something else on. As soon as the last song ends, I'm ready for Fallen Angel to start right back over. And I, let me read, I, it's not that, I couldn't bring myself to giving a track on this a one. That's really what it is. I couldn't say like, this is so much inferior than this. When I feel this is one uh, back when albums were meant to be listened to, top to bottom, this is this is definitely one that stayed in my uh, of just T to B all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my scoring system, which Ben already disapproved of in an email earlier. <laughs> yes, oh, I did. Oh well, okay. I did. I did. But you know what? It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I no longer get angry when um, my guests do that to me. Um, <laughs> Maybe a little better. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Next song is Showdown at Big Sky. Background vocals on this one provided by the Bodines mm-hmm. and um, Daniel Lanois is also providing some vocals and guitarist Bill Dillon. So I didn't know Bill's name until I looked up his credits and he's got a nice little resume mm-hmm. as well. Lots of credits, including work with Sarah McLaughlin, Mark Cohn, Joni Mitchell. Um, yeah, he's pretty bad A as well. Murray. Yes, sir. Tell me about Showdown at Big Sky. Tell me why you like this. Tell me why this is a, also a nine for well, you. Well, this is a nine for me, Ben. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You know what? You know what's, I'm going to, like your uh, scoring system, I'm going to completely ignore your question. Um, <laughs> I listened to this album over the summer. I drove, I have all my, all my family lives in Montana now just through a series of coincidences. And I drove through Yellowstone listening to this album. And um, there's been a weird uh, connection to Montana for my family and I. So this song has always really resonated with all of us. 
which is one of the reasons I love it. And then just the fucking chorus. Excuse me, I said the F word, but the chorus is just phenomenal. It's, yeah. Every time, let the bells ring out, let the bells ring in. Oh. Every time gives me goosebumps. I love Absolutely. That. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying earlier, John, lots of religious imagery in this one, especially. I'm um, talking about the Book of David and the Holy Night and Children of Eden. And um, and I said, save this place and the Holy Ghost. So, Murray, you kind of alluded to the, you know, the uh, born-again stuff, uh-huh. which I'm assuming by the comments that you made that you're not a believer in that respect. So with the, the spiritual aspects of a lot of these songs – um, is that is that a turnoff? Is that it, you kind of embracing what you kind of grew up with? Like, uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I I don't. If you want to sing about it and write about it and do that, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't. You yeah. know, you two, my favorite band, they do a lot of that stuff. You know, I, I got I got no problem. I have a complete problem with christian rock which is completely different <laughs> and uh sure. but i I've, I've got nothing and i've got nothing negative to say about any of that it's great imagery and it's great lyric writing i think that that's one of the the aspects of this record that i did i do connect with mm-hmm. is the is those is those spiritual aspects of it um and whether it is god or the universe or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it you know just connecting with your yourself um yeah i think that there's a lot of those songs on here that that um well the bells ring out they, they yeah. ring they ring true to me no i agree and i think if you're seeing from that point of view in a spiritual or religious uh point of view without being condemning of other people or proselytic yeah. is that how you say that word i can never say that word right um you know I, i'm fine I'm, I'm i'm fine with it you know i i got no problem with it just because I don't sure. necessarily believe something that somebody doesn't, that somebody else believes, I'm not, unless they're using it to harm people, I'm not going to come down on them or judge them for that. I'm a big fan of Joseph Smith. How's that? <laughs> Guy was one of the early, early advocates of vegetarianism, man. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm down with that guy. I always get, also get him confused with Robert Smith. So maybe I'm thinking about him. <laughs> 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 both good dudes both good dudes both heavily influenced my life that's for sure oh absolutely, absolutely. of course absolutely yeah. john any last words on this one um no i i love everything murray just said about the religious overtones i i don't know what it is i think we're all this way a lot of people are there's something there's a fine line when it comes to spiritual uh language or expression that anything too pushy is so pushy, but anything humble and soulful is so endearing. And I find most of everything on this, all the spiritual illusions on this album to be more of the soulful searching endearing type. I just, I'm endeared to people who search and who talk openly about it. And so I love that. It's only when they start preaching that I can't stand it anymore. Um, yeah. Or stop searching. I don't, yes. Good point. You know what I mean? Cause I feel, too. even though I don't, really hold on to the religious beliefs I brought up in, it does not mean that I'm not going to con- my journey and actually rediscover them and be like, Oh, I was wrong in this period of my life. I, you know, I still try to uh, keep the search going as opposed to stopping right here and 
this being how it should be. Yep, that's it. I really love and respect that sensitivity. Um, I did want to what what is the book of David? Do you think it's such a line that stands out? And I'd love to know what he meant by that. Speaking of what he meant, I've reached out to him a few times to see if he would come on the podcast just to talk about this. I don't want to talk about the band, which is what he probably always talks about, but I never hear back. Yeah. Well, that would anyway, be a good I love one. that. that would be I love one. those things. It would be a good one. I love those things. Um, the glorious chorus, mm-hmm. um, the Native American heritage references. It's all beautiful. I just assumed he was talking about David in the Old Testament. I'm sure he was, but I, I me too. But, but there I is no book of David. But he's really Testament. prevalent in, exactly. the, in Psalms yeah. and a few other books. Again, I'm a little rusty on my Bible, even though I used to be able to recite it back and forth. Um, you know, he was involved in a lot of different books in the, besides the Psalms, True. if I remember correctly. Yeah. That's what I just wonder what, since there is no official book of David in mm-hmm. the Bible, I'm wondering what specifically he's referencing. Yeah, he's yeah. referring to when he says the book of David. Is there an Apocrypha book of David? I don't know. Well, I'll see a look know. here. I don't know. All right. Let's get scores. Oh, there's uh, the book of David Steinberg, but I don't think that's what he's talking that's about. Not it. That's not <laughs> it. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, you got to figure Google. him being that's King a Google David. You got to figure it's the story of David he's, he's talking about, mm-hmm. right? I would imagine. I'm sure. Something. Yeah. All right, John, your score. This is this gets my top pick. It's nine. Okay, this is my four, and then Murray, your score. Nine. <laughs> Wait, this is four. The, uh, there's way too many other songs that I like above this. That, I find that surprising. I, I find that. I'm not judging you at all. I just find that surprising. You, I you, 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 you can't judge me. You, you, <laughs> you, you did all all nine. So yeah, I, I take. One thing I wasn't either. going to judge you, but now that you're throwing it down, I'm going to start judging. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a song on this album that it by itself, on a scale of one to ten, would be anything less than like an eight mm. for me. No, I get that. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. a matter of, you know, the things that are near the low, the, the lower reaches of my list are not still, they're still songs sure. I love deeply. We, we, we talk about the, our scoring all the time. I feel like I have, mm-hmm. we, we justify it all the time and it is not, we are not saying that on that scale, what you just said, John of the one to tens where it's like, there are some ones where we say this is my least favorite, but it's still a kick kick ass song. Sure, yeah. and I'm just re- saying this is one of those episodes for me. Absolutely, <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, next song is Broken Arrow. This is another tune with Peter Gabriel on keyboards and drum programming. I didn't look in the um, the, the album, it, and it says all the background vocals, according to the credits, are Robbie and Daniel. So, so good. Um, it is. Oh, so great. Um, and bass and you by... Can tell- uh, bass, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but bass is um, Abe Le- 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 Sr., 
who Abe LaBorreal yes. Jr. is uh, Paul McCartney's drummer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was and, a senior and junior. Yeah, and he's been, and he actually he had a pretty like decent Oscar. solo album out like two years ago. Abe LaBorreal really? Jr. did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And oh. and Abe has been on tons of yacht rock type stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a legend. Abe senior. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and you all might know this song better from Rod Stewart's cover that came out a few years later that appears on Rod's Vagabond Heart album. Um, and he made it a number 20 song, so it was a moderate hit. Um, I mentioned earlier that you can tell when Manu is not the drummer. Um, this is Terry Bazio, but of course, Terry's also got a good resume yeah, not too bad <laughs> yeah i mean longtime frank zappa drummer and of course foreign missing persons with mm-hmm. um his wife dale which there's some really good drum tracks on <laughs> mi- those missing persons records um yeah um i, I just accidentally hit what, play on that album because i got I the track list sorry about that but that opening That's percussion okay. that glass yeah. sound mm-hmm. is so great it is I, I'm assuming that that this version is, in your minds, way better than Rod's version, correct? It is to me. I remember at the time just being glad that uh, Rod copied somebody I respected Liked. so much. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, if you're going to do this, Rod, at least you picked a good one, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I was rooting for Robbie in that way. Not that he needs you know, those royalty checks, but it was nice. I was happy for him. I like this version better also. And I'm not one of those uh, people who I- I'll give you a better version if you come up with a better version. But I think there's, I think, and I might be wrong in the background in the history of a broken arrow and it's um, uh, showmanship of peace and settling. And art, I think, which comes from the native American uh, culture, I think just gives more authenticity it does to a soccer ball kicking Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, anything lyrically that stands out on this song for you all? Nothing for me. I love if assuming what I really like are the high pitched backing vocals that you hear kind of at the end of each line. And uh, I assume that might be Daniel Lanois doing that, which is kind of, which kind of blows me away. The other thing I've noticed about this song is that the piano chords in it sound just like Red Rain, which makes sense because, again, that's oh. Lan Wah. It's a similar time period. So yep. um, We're going to make a note to listen to that, John. Do. Just th- when you hear it, listen yeah, to it. Yeah. Think about Red Rain. Tell me if they're not identical. I love that. That's the thing I keep coming back to to this, to this album is that all the millions of people that loved the Joshua so. Tree and so – don't realize that this album is out there and it is part of like basically a trifecta, you know, same producers, same people, same vibe. You have, you own the copies of the other two. This is the one you should also own. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. And, and you already know how much I love both of those albums that you Mm -hmm. brought up. Um, We've done episodes on both of those. Um, They're fantastic. They're right up yeah. there. I'm with you. All right. Um, let's get scores. Murray, what's your score? I'm going to give this one um, probably a nine. <laughs> okay. All right. I had to I had to, I had to give a score. Mm-hmm. I know. This is my seven. John? 
This one's my two. Uh, it went back and forth between two and three, but again, that's not because I don't love it, just comparatively. I know. You sent me a text earlier flip-flopping your scores. We're going, know, sorry. sorry to go back to the lyrics, but that do you feel what I feel? Can can we make that so it's part of the deal? I got to hold you yes. in these arms of steel. Lay your heart on the line this time. It's so good. So good. Yeah. I love that. Can we make that so it's part of the deal? What an interesting yeah. question, you know, whatever, mm. whatever arrangement they have. I just, I love it. So insightful. Yeah. I'm sorry. What was your score again, Ben? This was my seven. Right. I gave this one a nine. I, I know. <laughs> I know. All right. Sweet fire. of love is next. <laughs> And this song is the reason why I bought the record. Oh, really? It's it's got U2 on it. Oh, all um, over it. And I bought everything that U2 was on back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and U2 has co-writing credits mm-hmm. on this. But not for the second song that they're on. Uh, that also features them. No, mm-hmm. no, no credits on that one. I didn't realize that. You're right. Yeah. I should have I should have really dug deeper into the the lyrics on this, but um, I feel like there is definitely some religious imagery going on for for this particular song as well. Correct. I feel like this song is just playing to the strengths of each individual artist. It, I mean, it uh, it sounds like the lost U two song of the era mm. that features Robbie Robertson. I mean. If, if they're both touching on religious imagery or spiritual imagery or whatever, um, this is an example of what they're both, they both were doing at the time. It's a, it's a great, it could, it could have shown up on the Joshua tree as a bonus track. You two featuring Robbie Robertson. Mm-hmm. Just as it, it would have on been on album. rattle and hum or whatever. Yeah. 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 Whatever it is, it would have been, could have been the same thing. By the way, I had a little bit of a leeway with you two when I was a, youth because oh. the of their religious backgrounds and then some jerk theologian play, like gave my dad an example of one of their lyrics and it's like and so i kind of shot that whole thing in the foot but i got a little yeah. leeway with you two for a while there mm-hmm. <laughs> i used to i used to help dj dances um you know school dances and also uh church dances and one of the one of the things that we did for this particular <laughs> church was we always ended our dances playing 40. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, because it's Psalms 40. Yeah, that's know? true. Oh, that's the one I always brought up to my dad was Psalm 40. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the one that my dad was like, oh, interesting. And then, you yeah. know. Yeah. You too is also huge in Mormondom as well. In fact, I always... Uh, they're this. I always call them the C.S. Lewis of rock because C.S. Lewis is so every religion, every Christian adopts C.S. Lewis as being their sort of, oh, he's speaking for me. He's, right, right. he's putting my feelings in such a universal way that I really, I, you know, I identify with his way of thinking. And U2's music is kind of like that for Mormons. So 
when we were that way too of like well careful with rock and roll and it's scary you too was the c.s lewis of rock and roll in Mormon. Oh, that's that's a I love that comparison, Lamoro. I love that comparison so much. <laughs> Good. Glad you feel me on that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to text my brother that who's a, a theology professor. That <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah, yeah, John. Just so you know, I did my senior dissertation on C.S. Lewis. I believe it. We've all. Yeah. I mean, I've quoted him more times than I can count in various lessons and talks and everything at church of course but it was but it was about how t.s Eliot and c.s lewis inspired each other oh <laughs> where does s.e hinton fit in there <laughs> <laughs> and e. E. cummings yeah <laughs> j.r.r tolkien uh he went he went three initials screw that guy we got no time for those three initial guys <laughs> j.r.r and c.s were were buds they were tight weren't they they were yeah. tight yeah, yeah yeah they were tight um, I don't know where we're going with this. Um, <laughs> I don't know either. It's, it's my fault. Song. Sorry. It's what I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> I ramble. It's, well, it's the adult ADD in me, too. Um, all right. Scores. John, what do you got? This is my eight. And this right. showdown could have gone back and forth. It, mm-hmm. I go back and forth which one I like best. This is my eight. Yeah. And Murray, what's your score? Well, being that U2 is on it, I'm going to go ahead and give this a nine. Okay, perfect. I'm a big, right. U2 is my favorite band. Oh, I gotta give them a nine. This is uh, this is my five, believe it or not. Mm. Even though it has U2, and this was the reason why I bought the record. I do love when Bono's vocals come in on this, though, man. I do like, yeah. he's a, and his voice has not waned. I don't think um, in his age, but I, there's just that. You know, there's obviously age to it, but this is like prime vocal Bono era, and uh, yes. it, it, he sounds so great when he comes in on this. Definitely totally does. agree. All right. Time to flip over the record. So this is first song on side two. This is American Roulette. Garth Hudson is on this one. Terry Ubazio and Bill Dylan that I've already mentioned. Backing vocals is Bodine's and Maria McKee. Mm-hmm. It's all incestuous, man. It is. It is. Um, and we'll talk about Maria McKee here in, on the next song as well, um, even though she's not in the song itself. But. American Roulette. Murray, what do you like about this? Why is this your nine, Murray? I, I like <laughs> Because what now? He he was scoring The Color of Money at the time, right? Robbie Robertson? I think he would have been, yeah. So wasn't yeah, this kind time. of based off of off of his experiences reading that script and stuff, if I remember correctly? Hmm. I That's, didn't know that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. That's what I assumed. I had no idea. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I'm not a lyric guy, as I've said before, so I've, I've never really paid attention to the lyrics on here other than a line or two. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until getting ready to talk that this basically lays out the deaths of James Dean, Elvis Presley, and Marilyn Monroe. I had never picked up on that before. Uh, I guess because of American Roulette, 
I always imagined it being a literal who someone who killed themselves or something, but it wasn't. It uh, it's pretty. Uh, but again, I never pieced this together until just today, getting ready to talk to you. But it's James Dean, Elvis, and Marilyn. Okay, all right. So um, now I'm looking at this. Okay, I see the King of Rock and Roll over east of Eden. I know. I'm looking at it now too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Put yourself behind the wheel. Eden. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm completely wrong on my <laughs> assumption of this song. Well, that's why I thought what you said was so interesting, Murray, because I hadn't heard that before. But prior to just a few hours ago, I didn't know anything about this song. I just liked okay. it. And then in the Maryland verse, it's some like it hot boy, some like it cool. Hmm. Too much for her to handle. Another scandal, she burnt the candle, which, you know. Candle in the wind. Elton John, candle in the wind, absolutely. Okay. Right. No, uh, thank you, John. I appreciate that. <laughs> I thought I was the idiot because I only just figured this out. No. So shout out to Wayne, who's normally the genius of figuring out lyrics. Yeah, Wayne totally would have mm-hmm. picked this right. out. Yeah. Just looked it up on uh, Wikipedia. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. John, anything else on this one? Before I get to a couple of things. Number one, uh, we haven't really mentioned Tony Levin, who's the oh, bass yeah, player of on all of these. Fretless va- bass. He's incredible. He played on a lot of the Peter Gabriel stuff, too. He's a Daniel Lenoir go to guy. Um, he's incredible. And um, just so, like, liquidy, this bass. It just, it's just beautiful. It's like it's flowing over the music as opposed to. Anyway, I, I'm, not a, I'm not good at expressing why things are great, they just are. Um, I know Maria McKee is somewhere in here on the background, background vocals. I don't really hear I couldn't her. really pick her out. Right, same. Yeah. Um, I love at the end when there are those just hard guitar slabs. Just jew, 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 jew. I'm saying it wrong or whatever. That doesn't sound enticing. But those sounds at the end of the song when they just get a little nutty on the drums and guitar, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your score on this, John? This one is my four. Okay. This is my three. And I'm not even going to ask Murray because <laughs> we already know. All right. Well, next song is. That. <laughs> okay, Murray, what's your score? Well, I could have used a little more McKee, but I'm going to go nine. Okay. okay. Right. I'm kind of Googling right now. Sorry. I'm kind of, if there's a uh, Jimmy Iovine connection anywhere in here. I wondered the same thing. Um, I'm Did Googling it right say, now. Sorry, don't let me stop the show. I'm just kind of... Because I wasn't you, Murray, I producing uh, Lone Justice at the time. Yes. And um, was it you who... Did you see them open for you 2 around Yes, yes. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. that earlier. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Somewhere down the crazy river is next. And this is the first song that I heard off, off, 
off this album on the radio. So um, KXRX in Seattle. Yeah, that's uh, no longer around, but I heard that on there. Um, So it was a moderate hit on the mainstream rock, rock channels, number 24 on the Billboard mainstream rock chart, whatever that means. But it was uh, on the normal UK charts, it was number 15. Hmm. So, got a, got like I mentioned before, got a little extra airplay over in the UK. Um, this completely took me down a little Willie John rabbit hole a couple mm. days ago. Because I was listening to this, I'm like, do I know little Willie John? Um, to Fever, he he was the first one to really mm. make that make that a. Uh, a song before I guess that was what Peggy Lee was the one who really turned it into a hit in the sixties. I just watched it on the Muppets. <laughs> That's right. Okay. You were having like a big Muppet moment over it's, the, the Muppets are now years. released on Disney plus the original and they're fantastic. And yeah, they just did fever. It was great. Yeah. Did, did I hear that there's like, um, they're wanting to cancel the Muppets because of how they portray the Swedish chef. Did I read? Did I read something? No, but there that? is a there's a disclaimer in front of it that says um, that's it. It was a, it was a different time. We're not changing it, so we can you know as a learning thing. It's in front of everyone, so they're just Disney is such a history of horrible, horrible racism and anti-Semitism that they're just trying to separate themselves from it as much as possible. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. Um. Did you guys know that Little Willie John is actually in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Did not. I didn't know that. Was inducted in 1996. There you go. Oh, um, he's from Walla Walla. No, he no? died in Walla Walla. Oh, he died in Walla Walla. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, he was yes. from, like, Kansas or some someplace like that. Um, Arkansas. Yeah, he, he died in prison. Oh, I got to look into this, man. <laughs> Yeah, died in prison. He was serving a, a sentence for manslaughter. Um, and he had recorded his last album while he was on parole, I think, or like uh, uh, an appeal or something before he actually mm. served served uh, in prison. So anyways, I went down a little bit of a wormhole the other day. Um, I watched the video for this song for the very first time today. Oh, <laughs> Um, I did too. It's not on you, YouTube, you, but there was a reaction video. This really oh, is sweet, there? Yeah, there's a really sweet black lady doing a reaction video of this video. It's so funny. So it's directed by Martin Scorsese. It features an appearance by Maria McKee. Sure. There's some awkward making out at the end of the video, which is gross. really weird. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm bringing it up now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It really is. It, but it fits the mood of the song, it does. doesn't it? It does. Like Scorsese yeah. nailed it, I think. Yeah. It's got Tony Levin. It's got. I'm kind of scrolling yeah. through it right now. Yeah. Right. Daniel Lanois is playing this little like white Casio. Oh yeah. <laughs> thing yes. with buttons, yes. but he's playing yes. it like he really means it. You know, yeah. like ooh, he's just that three minutes so and thirty two seconds in the video, I believe. It's like the pussiest keytar you've ever seen it's whatever the worst version of a keytar is that's Ew. what daniel was playing in this thing 
Sorry, oh, I, found, okay. I found the makeout. Oh, I found the makeout John, part. Oh. John and I are getting our own uh, reaction video from Murray. That's right what now. I was just gonna say. This oh my bad. god, this might drive me back to the church. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. And Robbie Robertson's sweaty. Why are you sweaty, man? He, yeah, I don't know why you're he's sweaty. sweaty. Take a shower. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. So All right. Good. Do you guys know that the the that female voice, you know, that does the somewhere down the crazy? Do you know what what the effect is? Oh, that's I don't know what the effect female. is. That's not that's not Maria. Oh, that's that Sonny Bodine. That's Sonny Bodine. Yeah, where they they did something with his his vocals to make it sound like it's you know a a, a Cajun. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming that they they wanted to make it sound like a Cajun woman. I think it sounds like it's been like it's coming out of like a 1930s radio in okay. you know in like someone's. It sounds so old, like yeah. it's the old the little rascals or something like that. And yeah. I didn't know there was any effect on it. I thought that was just Sonny's. It's those little somewhere down the crazy river things. Well, I have a million opinions about this song. I'll I want to hear them all. Yep, no, this go thing for is it. just so odd. It's not, I mean, it shouldn't work and yet it does. There's something right. about it. It, uh, so the Sonny Bodine somewhere down the crazy river thing is the thing you take away from this probably more than anything. The spoken word. I've always thought Robbie Robertson doesn't have the strongest singing voice, but he's got an incredible speaking voice. I would love yes. to hear him narrate like national geographic or Planet Earth documentaries, or something like that. Mm. Um, Tony Levin, going back to that bass, it's so liquidy and watery and rubbery. It's just, it's like oozing over the song as opposed to like, you know, dominating it or anything. But the thing that I remember most is this song. Now, I had never been there, but this song sounds like what I imagine New Orleans feeling like. And... Mm -hmm. But at 14, I'd never been to, I've been there now, but I've never been there at New Orleans at 14, but I still, the, the imagery and the sense, the feeling you get, you can talk about the sweat. Like it, you almost start sweating hearing this. You can smell the sweat. You can see the red light shimmer in the heat. Like he says, you can feel it all. It just feels like greasy voodoo, late midnight bourbon street, it just it's so uh, is that why every time I listen to this this song um I crave beignets probably why? probably okay. yes right. and to this day I still say to myself all the time uh this is sure stirring up some ghosts for me yeah. I say that to myself all the time nice. but anyway yeah I always say I I like it I like it it's good <laughs> it's it's good <laughs> we're all kind of we we all like we you know, to quote my friend, know more than the average bear regarding music and um, stuff. And do you guys find yourselves like sometimes I'll, I'll learn something. And I'll be like, oh, man, that is so cool. Like I just learned Vera from Pink Floyd is about Vera Lynn, this British singer in, in during the war who had a huge hit. Okay. I, I'm like, oh, that is so cool. I never knew that. But I learned that that was Bodine and not a chick like it made me so mad that I didn't know that earlier. <laughs> like I should I know, have known too. that. Why no, did, me what too. A, idiot. What is your problem? Why didn't you know that? <laughs> right. Right. Nope. I, well, the, I when feel, you first I got, when way. I first got the album back in the day, I assumed it was a girl too. Right. Even right. though the video shows Sonny Bodine singing that line, but you still, it just, 
You can't wrap your brain. It wipes away from that creepy, sweaty kiss. You can't remember anything else about the video. <laughs> totally. Yep. <laughs> so true. Uh, so good. All right. Um, scores. This is my nine, and it's a legit nine, Murray. Um, all right, John, your score? It's my seven. Okay. Mm, interesting. All right, Murray, what's your score? Because I know that you're going to Well, I might I have to rethink my nine after that kiss. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to go nine. I'm gonna, you know, yeah. running nine. True love sees no uh, hygiene. There you go. All right, Hills Half Acres next. And I've left off talking about Tony Tony Levin because this is the one song that I've got like all sorts of mm. notes about. So he is, I think he's playing the Chapman stick on this mm-hmm. one. And he, and you guys know what that is? The Chapman no. stick? I've heard so of it. A, and whenever I have a bass player on, they talk about it. Like it's a really special thing. Okay. All right. So it's, so it's, in the guitar family, but it actually has, it depends on who's making it. It could have 10 strings. It could have 12. <laughs> and it's it's tuned in a way where it's supposed to play the bass lines. So that's oh, that's essentially, he's, he's playing this guitar that is tuned in a way to be a, a bass. And gosh, the, the bass So the Chapman stick one. is not a bass. It's a guitar. It's but a guitar. You play it like a bass. Okay, interesting. And and somebody can 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 tell me that I'm wrong, but that's that's what I looked. I, I looked at a couple of YouTube videos of people who were playing it, and it looks like a not not like a bass guitar, but it looks like a a, a regular guitar. It, um, and I don't know. I don't pretend to know anything about this Chapman stick, and I've always wondered what it was because I've seen Tony Levin play it. Um, but it's almost like. It looks like they play it like Stanley Jordan. Uh, mm-hmm. Correct. Great. I don't even know if Stanley Jordan's still with us, but it, it, it seems to be that yep. way. I yeah. agree. And, and Levin also has his own band that is called Stickman. So there you go. There, mm. whatever correlation mm. that we have with the mm. Chapman stick. That's thought that was interesting. He and former guest of our show, Jerry Murata, and one other guy whose name I'm blanking on right now, have their have like a three piece band that they play. Of course, this was all pre COVID. I don't know what they do now. Uh, why do I know that name, Jerry Murata? Big time drummer. His brother Rick is also a drummer for Steely Dan. Jerry played on So. Okay. Jerry played with Hollow Notes for a while. Jerry played with Ra- Oh Murata. Right, right. Okay. Murata. Yeah. yeah. Paul McCartney. We had a yeah, great yeah. conversation. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite episodes of yours, Joan. Oh, thanks. Was, I actually did listen to that one. Oh, good. <laughs> I do listen. I, I, yeah, I, I try and listen. There's a lot. Those. Don't, you don't have to apologize. Yeah. I get it. There's a lot out there. I haven't Fine. listened to the God of Hellfire and Damnation or whatever. Uh, you can but... skip that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
All right. Uh, Anything lyric? Anything lyrically on this that stands out? For the longest time, I had uh, my iPod left that album, that song off. Oh, for some reason. So your one. Is that what you're yeah. saying? It's apparently, it's my old iPod Shuffles one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was so it was like almost like rediscovering a song after because I'd gotten used to it not being there that I forgot about it, and so it was like rediscovering a new song on your one of your favorite albums, which is really nerdy and dorky, but I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that on my um, on the Dale Murphy episode that we did, John, because um, my introduction to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot didn't have reservations on it so the very last song on that album i didn't know it existed until like years later when i actually got the physical Mm. copy of the album so yeah it was like new to me oh this is like a bonus track no it was always there i just wasn't on the ripped version that i got from Mm. my buddy so my ideal version of yankee hotel foxtrot would have nothing oh here we here we go. I know. Just I kidding. Look, I, look, I love I, the first song. Love. I'm trying to break it. I listened to your NXS episode, which you should just call the shit on Wilco episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's become a thing. I, I, I'll be quiet. But you know what's funny? When you when you mention it is true not to rehash your old episode but it you know i did i kind of felt with yankee hotel like oh they're just putting all this pizzazz on folk songs mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. but then it really really grew on me mm. it me never too. did i should try it again i also love the ghost is born and I'll, even wilco fans don't like that album and i really like that album um i'm a wilco fan and it's my favorite one. Oh, perfect awesome the yeah. exception to the rule ben yeah that's my favorite one all right, scores on getting back to Robbie Robertson. Scores. John, what do you got? Well, this is the one I was flip-flopping back and forth with uh, Broken Arrow. At the last minute, I was listening to this just before we hopped on, and I decided I liked it better than Arrow. So I'm giving it a three. But either way, it could go either way. All right. This is my least favorite song on the record. Mm. I don't mind it, but it's my least favorite. Um, my iPod Shuffle also... Um, Ignores this one to Murray. Um, your score, Murray. I wonder if I wonder if. Uh, huh. Interesting. Um, well, since I rediscovered it, uh, I got to go nine. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Sunny got caught in the moonlight. Is next. Background vocals on this one is Rick Danko from the band. Um, Carrie Butler provides drum programs. I, l- I had to look him up. Do you guys know Carrie Butler? No. Yeah. He's worked on a ton of Disney-related projects in an engineer and mixing capacity, so I didn't really know him as well. So I was just wow. curious if you guys knew, knew him. I just Googled Carrie Butler, and it's a girl. Oh. oh. But okay. that's an actress. I don't know who this is. <laughs> it's one of those names that it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with the, that no, girl Murray's, that came up. Murray's, or <laughs> Murray's not familiar that. at all with that. 
<laughs> with either of them butlers. <laughs> All right. Any anything on this one, John? Um, no, this is my least favorite, but again, it's not a song I dislike. In fact, listening to the album again, right before we hopped on, I thought, boy, this is the song you're going to give a one to, but I don't know what else to do. Rick Danko sounds great. Uh, Manu is doing his mm-hmm. percussion and his drums again. I love every time I can pick him out. I think the song has a really good chorus. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's just when compared to everything else, it's the mm-hmm. one that I like the least, but I would never skip it or anything like that. No. I agree with everything you said. Good. My score is a one. Your score is a one. This is my two. And then Murray. Well, I just realized um, Justify your that score I spelled Perry one. Butler, K-E-R-R-Y, Butler. That's your that's your problem right that's there. That's your problem. Perry Butler is a C-A-R-Y. C-A-R-Y, correct. Yeah, and then he doesn't come up anywhere. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine. <laughs> That's Great. that's the best justification I've ever heard for a top score. Okay. Um, all right. We're wrapping this up. Testimony is next. mentioned this is the second song with you too uh this time though ivan neville also provides some backing vocals and then mm-hmm. you've got the gil evans horn section also appears and and i looked up gil evans um he's best known for working with miles davis he was a oh. jazz he was a jazz guy um and it looks gil like Evans passed- also oh sorry just to go along with the Common Threads, we were talking about. Gil Evans features heavily in Sting's uh, Nothing Like the Sun album. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I love that album. Around the same time, same people. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. The last last Sting album that I loved. I think he had something to do with Little Wing on that album, if I remember. I don't, anyway. That's a a a cover I love. I love that. That's a cover I love as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I give Sting. I'll, I'll take Sting all the way up to Ten Sumner's Tales. Really? That's where, that's where I drop off after that. Yeah. yeah. Soul Cave. Although his Sting, the Sting and Shaggy right? album is really good. That's what people I, say. Again, I can't even bring myself to try it. To quote you, Lamoro, it shouldn't work, but it works. <laughs> good. Okay. It, okay. It doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> well, it's your show. I know. <laughs> Plus, plus, Lamor- plus, Lamoro's on this, so I feel like I'm more opinionated every time Lamoro shows up for mm, for, okay. uh, for an episode. I bring out the root worst in people. Mm-hmm. And you guys realize that Robbie named his autobiography "Testimony." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Have you guys read it? No, because um, he hasn't again, been on your podcast yet. John, well, that's you one would, thing. You would read it if he, if he was going to become a guest on your show. I would, but I just 
I again, I hate to say this, but I heard I listened to a bunch of interviews that he did at the time, and everything was about the band. And I, I don't want to talk about the band. I don't care. You know, I the the there's a great documentary about them on Hulu. I think it is. We were brothers or something. Bro, yeah, I was just going to bring that up. I I I think I didn't read it, but I have a feeling you could just watch the band documentary and get the exactly same thing because it's Which all. It's all Robbie. It's all about Robbie Robertson, basically. Yes. And what's his face? The director of Color Money and all the things. Scorsese. Yeah, so it's all from, I mean, they don't even talk about Rick Danko's death. They don't talk about Richard Manuel's death. All of a sudden, they just gloss right over it. And it's all very Robbie Robertson centered. Yeah. So I have a feeling, I have a feeling that, and it was based off that book, actually, now that I think about it. I think you might be so right. I think you yeah. can just watch the documentary. Yeah. Which I like that documentary, but I just I, I feel like the band's story has been told a million times. Let's start with the solo career and go from there. Mm, I don't know if I I, I I don't know if I agree. I believe the Dylan band era has been told a lot, True. but their beginnings I don't think has been told a lot. And Good yeah, so Good that's point. Really different on that one. Mm-hmm. Anybody want to explain the lyrics to me on the on this one though? This is the uh, one dude, where I feel, I feel like, like Lamoureux's got a, a better grip on lyrics on this than uh, this is I, where I need Wayne. So, so John, yeah. can you be my Wayne? I don't. I it it didn't. Nothing like leapt out at me other than just okay. uh, everything sounds profound. That's not to minimize anything. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying they don't mean what they're saying. I'm just that it's nothing leapt out at me. It, yeah, it's it it's ambiguous. Like it's it's all good stuff um but i i'm just wondering if there is more to it than i'm looking at you know the only thing that really yeah crept out is the 40 days and 40 nights i i come across the desert which i feel like that's probably a uh you know jesus before his three-year ministry kicks in to to gear um uh, right. Sorry, I'm going, sorry. Sorry, I'm going sorry, back Mer- to five sorry, five Mer- times a week. I had to go to church. Sorry, um, <laughs> but there's a lot. So, you know, there's that line about uh, the half breed rides again and uh, holding on to broken dreams. So again, it's still it's really crossing. It's really crossing the spiritualness of. It seems to me like Christianity or, and I forgive me, I don't know if Mormons fall under Christianity or not, or if you're your own thing. We think we do. They okay. don't think we do. Well, Catholics think they do too. So everybody thinks that. Um, so crossing between a, a, an overwhelming umbrella of Christianity and the spiritual side of, of Native American stuff, I think. I totally agree. Yeah. Anything I don't understand spiritually in this, I just chalk it up to that must be a Native American thing right. and uh, good for them. You know, I just say, you know, C.S. Lewis explained it best. Go read him. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I get out of it. <laughs> touche, touche. Yeah. All right, uh, Murray, your score on this one? <laughs> well, n- now that I realize that it does fa- that Mormons are actually Christian, and um, it does have a very Christian and spiritual side to it, I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine. Okay, John. I'm going to give this one a six. Um, right. I like it a lot. It it. I don't like it quite as much as the other one. I think Ivan Neville sounds great. I love hearing his voice whenever it pops up. I love that there's horns in in this song. There's not a lot of, or at least there's some sound that sounds like horns. And we don't get a lot of horns in uh, this album. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker Good for point. that. So yeah, I go six. Okay. And this is my eight. Mm. 
Wow. You like this one better than the other one, I huh? do. I do, believe it or not. This is oh, your eight uh, is what you said? I'm this sorry. This is my eight. This is my eight. Yeah. Wow. All right. So this is, uh, this is where I ask, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I think we got it. The only other thing I was going to mention is I just think Daniel Lenoir, especially at this time, was a master of mood. And uh, everything, this album especially just feels, it feels kind of sweaty. That's the word I keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to him in two weeks. You just want to kiss yes. somebody. Maria McKee on camera, if I can, <laughs> oh, actually. Well. And uh, But yeah, I'm talking to him in two weeks. I'm hoping to kind of pick his oh, brain you on Daniel Lenoir on your, sh- on your show? I'm going to talk to him in two weeks. So, That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. That's great. Pretty pumped. I had a, I've I've had a chance to talk to him a couple times, uh, really? just just in passing. Like he played like a little mini concerts here in town and stuff, and you you know very like at the museum and stuff. He did uh, a a whole Dobro show. Ooh, I could see one that. time at the museum down here, uh, and it was really cool. And sorry, but he played the Wiltern or something, and I couldn't go, and I can't remember what it was. I think I had to like a I was working on a show, and I feel like oh, no, I got to stay late. And I didn't go, and The Edge came out. Oh! Uh, and played three songs with him. And we're talking, it was, the Wilter, it wasn't as big as The Wilter, and I take that back. It was a basically a glorified bar. Oh. And uh, I, today, still kick myself. Oh. oh, man. Oh, man. His people said that he didn't want to talk too much about the past. He wants to talk about his new music, which I totally understand. But I'm sure. hoping if I just don't, you know, make him go 45 minutes on. So again, that he'll allow me to squeak in some Robbie Robertson questions. I wonder if you throw in like for the beauty of Winona, if you throw in some of those references, if he'll mm-hmm. just kind of like open, because one of my favorite songs is whole lot of love to give mm. from, from that record. It's fantastic. Like mm-hmm. I really dig that record. I don't necessarily love Daniel's, voice like if maybe that was bono or if it was you know peter gabriel singing those songs people would remember those songs a lot more sure um but yeah yeah i have a little pot envy of that well i guest. owe you you're the one who let me know that you're the one who sent me his info thank you ben yeah you're welcome okay i wasn't fishing for compliments i really wasn't I, well i was <laughs> going to mention it anyway yeah it was all you. All right. Um, this was a lot of fun, guys. This was fun. Thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Anytime. So this this is the opportunity where you can promote yourself. So, John, tell people where they can find The Hustle. Well, they can find The Hustle wherever good podcasts are. And I, know, I feel like so many of us are in kind of a community. I'm sure we share a lot of the same listeners and i would encourage any of, of mine who don't know you to go to you and vice versa i think there's absolutely something in yeah. there for everybody how about you murray what you what are you promoting right now where can people um, find you well you can find me at murray v on twitter and uh murray v comedy on instagram and my road stories podcast uh is still up uh, available uh just google uh road stories murray valeriano and i'm a co-host on the rock solid podcast which is uh a fun music uh, comedy podcast. And I'll, like I said earlier, I'll be having some new stuff coming up in the next month. So look out for that. Awesome. All right. Last mm-hmm. question. 
So I throw this out to all the guests. So, um, so Murray, who do you know that I don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? Um, and they don't necessarily need to be musicians. I mean, we've had right baseball players, soccer players, authors. I think I think because comedians. you brought up enough enough. I think you should have my friend Courtney Cronin on. Mm, okay, good one. Courtney's okay. great. She has such an eclectic taste of me, like we all do, but I always joke around her. I always joke that she has a shitty taste in music, but because she has equal love for Kiss and Enough is Enough as she does Squeeze and Crowded House, you know, so she's really even keeled across, across many genres. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll chat. Ben, you and I are planning on doing a Crowded House episode sometime. We should see if maybe she'd want to join us for that one. I'm down. Yeah. I know, I know her too. I could ask her. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, you know Courtney. Yeah. I'll try not to wait another year before I have you back on, John. Whatever you want. I Whatever know. you want. It's, I enjoy these things. I, it's uh, you know, it's to... I, and and I keep I keep saying that I'm going to take a break. I'm gonna I'm gonna let off of the gas a little bit. Wayne keeps telling me that we need to take a break. Like he's on vacation this week and he was telling me how much he needs it. And I'm like, you don't even edit the damn episodes, dude. <laughs> like, and you need a break. Um, I'm still trying to develop my other podcast, John. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I just haven't had the time to, to finish it out. So it's time consuming more than it you is. think, I think. A- absolutely. All right. Yeah, 100% John. All right, so as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Of course, we're on the the socials as well. Find us at Podcast Records. Wayne is on the Instagram page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. And, of course, um, you know, go subscribe and rate or review us. And, and go do that for, you know, the hustle as well. All right. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to live show, but you know the drill on that. So find your favorites. Go uh, support them on any of their live stream events that they're doing. Um, Make sure that you go buy a t-shirt of the band. Go buy a record. And uh, maybe one that's called um, Robbie Robertson, because it's damn good, as we just mentioned. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out. (laughs) that's my favorite part of the show